Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sale. I am your host, Kyle Slaymaker, and we're just going to jump right into it because we've got a hell of a guest today. Um, a lot of people may know him as Jesus Rodriguez, but if there's any wrestling fans out there, which I know there are, you probably know him as the one and only WWE superstar, Ricardo Rodriguez. So, Ricardo, Jesus, welcome to the podcast. Uh, muchas gracias. Thank you so much. I am very happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm, I'm try, I was trying to figure out where I wanted to start with you because there's so many outlets we want to we want to talk about. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I guess first and foremost, right? You were born in SoCal, spent a lot of time in LA, San Diego. Um, how did you end up in Amish country of all places? So it's a long story, but to make that story a little short. Um, I was actually in Egypt. Uh, I spent a year in Egypt, which that's another whole story in itself. Um, I came back to the U.S. and I finally came to a battle that I had been going on for a good while, and that was my battle with alcohol, um, uh, especially during COVID era. Uh, the alcohol consumption was very, very high. Um, and I mean, it was just something that had been brewing for years. And then the last two, three years, just, it just kind of uh, peaked. Um, I was in San Antonio at the time and I woke up in a detox center, uh, at a hospital rather, in a detox section. And um, I don't know how I got there. I don't know what I was drinking. I don't, all I know is that I was out, I was drinking and I ended up in the hospital. Uh, I don't know how I got there. Um, after about a day and I started coming down from it, um, I realized I, I can't do this anymore because that wasn't the first time that I, that, that had occurred. So I put out on Twitter that I, I, I needed help, um, that I screwed up and I needed help. And it just so happened that there was a, uh, somebody sent from the heavens who just happened to be looking at it at that point, uh, precise moment by the name of Christopher Dreisbach who is the owner of Blueprints Recovery for Addiction here in Lancaster. Um, and he reached out to me. Um, he reached out to me, said that, you know, hey, if you're still interested in getting help, you know, this, let's work something out. We can, we can bring you up and we can work something out. And WWE has a system, which I will always give credit to him about this. WWE has a system that if you're an employee of theirs for a certain amount of time, if after you leave, or even during, if you need help of this kind of sort uh, of addiction, they are more than willing to help you out. So I reached out to WWE. They got in contact with Christopher. And three days later, I was up here in, in, in Lancaster. Um, I had checked into the rehab center. Um, I did 30 days there. And when I got out, I, I liked it. I, I liked the area. I liked the environment. I like how everything was kind of set up. And for what I needed, it's, it's, it's what it was perfect. Um, it's a slower pace. It's, uh, I'm so used to living in big cities. 
uh, where everything's open, the loud noises, everything's open 24 hours. So even though this is a lot more quiet, a lot more more quiet, um, it's what I needed. It's what I needed for for, for my recovery. Um, I'm going on, it's gonna be nine months, nine months clean uh, in a week and a half. Wow. Um, well, in a, in a week, in a week. It's gonna be nine months in a week. Um, and during that time, I mean, I've, I've grown to really enjoy this area. This is my first time living up here in the, in the snow area. Uh, so that's gonna be a whole new, the whole, that's a whole new thing for me as well. I'm so used to, like, like I said, the big cities and also I'm so used to like the Southern states. So where it's, you know, sunny and, and above 80 degrees on an average day. Uh, so that's definitely not gonna be a thing here, but that's an adjustment that I'm going to make for the sake of this. Well, you're, you're getting lucky this year because usually we're pounded by now at least a few times and so far nothing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm OK with this. I'm OK with it so far. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of injuries throughout the years because of professional wrestling. Uh, I have screws and plates on my on my ankles and my legs. So when it gets cold, everything hurts times 10. Oh, man, I can I um I broke my leg about 10 years ago when I was training to fight uh, MMA. Tip mm -hmm. fib straight through. Just yeah. I was I had like eight hour surgery. It was horrible. Um, yeah. Whenever it rains or it's cold, I yeah. feel it. I feel yeah, it. You feel it. You feel um, it. So I mean, we we might as well transition from from what brought you to Lancaster, and you know, like you said, from the injuries from pro wrestling and everything like that. Um, why don't we Why don't we take a quick dive into your pro wrestling career? That way, people can sure. get to know you. And then I really want to focus on what you're doing in Lancaster now right with the sure. wrestling school and everything because it's all fantastic um you know the the first time i saw you it was way before i got into more independent stuff where it was outside of wwe wcw um and i saw you when you were with del rio which mm -hmm. i knew him from his early mma days when he had that very brief stint and he fought crow cop that yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't go the best for him um yeah. but i mean how what what brought you into pro wrestling and then what got you to WWE? So real quick. So actually, and it's funny too, because like for instance, like the Del Rio thing, um, he had a pretty good MMA record. Uh, and it just happened that his last one was a Crow Cop. And then that's just kind of what did it. But I mean, for for fighting with the mask, number one. And then two, I still that's that's the most mind-boggling thing. I think that's awesome. Uh, and then he had he had a a, a winning record, uh, which a lot of people don't get to like. Um, it always happens right in the comments, uh, like on social media. Oh, you know, you got your 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 ass beat by Crow Cop. I was like, yeah, but he beat like a bunch of other folks. Beat everybody. Uh, but that was just his last fight, I believe. Uh, well, second to last, because I know he fought Tito Ortiz, and then that didn't go too well for Alberto. But it is what it is, right? Um, so no, I started wrestling 16 years ago. I've been wrestling for 16 years now. Um, this has been basically my full time gig for the last. 12 of those 16. Uh, I got the, I was, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I, I, there was a huge, rich uh, Lucha Libre scene down there. Um, and then that eventually I, I switched over to the American style. Um, I got the chance to travel throughout the States, throughout Mexico. I, I did uh, several European tours prior to WWE. Um, so that was, that was such a great experience to get to travel. And then also because of pro wrestling. Like who, who gets to say, like, I got to travel the world because of pro wrestling um, on somebody else's dime, for that matter, you know? Uh, 
And then I was on the independency for four years prior to getting my WWE tryout, which was at the Staples Center uh, in California. Um, what was it? August 10th of 2010, I believe. And it was at the Staples Center, which was, I mean, I had participated, I have been there so many times, you know, to watch, you know, games, concerts, WWE uh, on the spectator side. So to be in the center of the arena in a WWE ring was, was amazing. Um, I did, I did a tryout there. I got invited twice back, which they were doing two sets of filming for TV. So I got invited, you know, it was like a three day, three day thing. At the end of the third day, uh, I got offered a contract with WWE and I was on the road from right there on. Um, wow. so I got hired on the spot, thankfully. Um, I mean, I wasn't the only one that got hired that day. There was, there was three other, two other guys that got hired alongside with me. Um, but I was the only one out of those three that got put on TV right away. And, um, and yeah, right off the bat, they, they threw me on the road. Uh, I was on the road. I was technically an extra for WWE uh, for a good solid almost three months until, you know, because I, I had to do my physical, my background, and all that other stuff. Um, and then eventually I got, I got the call that in what was in October that I was officially going to be signed. And then my physical, my background, everything got, you know, passed through. And then I moved to Florida. I ended up moving to, to Tampa Bay. I was there for a couple of years. Um, I was quote unquote training um, at the FCW facility, which is a training center that WWE had at the time. Uh, but I was on the road, so I was never there. So, uh, so basically during, during that, what, like almost a year change, I had like a dual contract. I had developmental and then uh, on the road contract. So I was getting paid very handsomely, uh, thankfully. Where that went, I don't know, but <laughs> um, but for, for that time frame, like I, I had a good sweet deal. And after a couple of years, I ended up moving to Orlando. Um, and through WWE, I mean, I got to I got to experience a lot of a lot of amazing things. Um, I, I got to, like I said, I got to travel the world because of pro wrestling. For for everybody that that once told me that wrestling was just a hobby, that is, you know, to quit because I'll never make it or quit because that's not real. Um, and to get to get a real job, quote unquote, you know. Um, but I didn't. I, I pursued my dreams and I got to accomplish something very big. Yeah. To be performing in front of, on average, to be performing uh, on non-televised events over two, three thousand people on average daily. To you know, Monday Night Raw, which was maybe like ten thousand on average, or you know, roughly. Then uh, in the pay-per-views. 20 and then WrestleMania's 60 to 100,000. Yeah. It's it's so interesting like watching it like knowing uh, what I do of your journey um at least in WWE. You went from like, basically who made the choice? Was it your call that was it your idea to put you more behind the mic in the manager position and the in the mouthpiece position because your your talent on the mic is I mean it's amazing. It's fantastic. But then your in-ring stuff, your actual physical work is fantastic too. So what was there? I mean, what was the thought process with that? So I ended up, when I did my tryout, I did a wrestling tryout. That was the whole purpose why we went. We did a wrestling tryout. While we were there, after the tryout, I got asked a couple questions by the main talent scout uh, by the name of Kenyon Seaman. Um, no, Ty Bailey, excuse me. Ty Bailey was the main uh, scout at the time. So he kind of like just I was asking questions and we just kind of left it at that. Um, shortly thereafter, I got offered the that role of 
the announcer, but it was as a second string because they had asked somebody else um, for that spot. But for whatever reason, he said he couldn't make it to SmackDown the next day, for whatever reason. So uh, the the guy, the, the person who, the promoter who brought me in for that trial, his name is Jesse Hernandez, he suggested me. So then they approached me and they're like, hey, we have this thing coming up tomorrow. Um, are you available? Which, I mean, I jumped on it and it just kind of happened from there. So it was mostly because person A said no. So then person B got the job. Um, so for, I'll forever be grateful for that guy because I don't know what he had going on the next day. I don't know what the, why he said no, but for whatever reason he said no. And then I got the guy at the gig. So I'm forever thankful. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just more of a, Hey, we need somebody for this spot. Are you, can you do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and then, yeah, I took it. I took it. I, I think I ran with it relatively pretty well for the most part. Um, and little by little, like I, I got, I got involved wrestling wise too. So, um, would I have done things differently? Of course, but that's all hindsight. And then there's no, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. What, what, there's nothing I can do about hindsight. It's, it's just such an, an awesome, like you don't really see, I mean, and things have changed, right? Like going through the years, watching the transitions between, um, you know, different areas in pro wrestling, like Heenan went from in the ring to manager. I mean, he was one of the best managers and commentators. Of yeah. um, and, and there have been a few that made those leaps here and there, but they're very few and far between, but it seems like the ones that do make that leap that really go through all areas are fantastic at what they do. And you're one of them. Once they, they paired you with Del Rio, that's when I think a lot of people started really watching and taking notice because that was back. Um, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if they had, was um i made my debut well we both made a debut at the same time really we both debuted on tv at the same time yeah wow yeah we both started at the same time but i mean i didn't do much of anything for a good two three months uh, i was just kind of there announcing and then that was it uh, i didn't get involved until maybe like a month into it um and that was with the story that he had with Rey mysterio <laughs> so that was yeah that took that took a bit of time before i got heavily involved with anything but i mean also to start off a feud with ray you know, it's <laughs> awesome talk about a push I, I mean that's that's crazy it's it's awesome it's well deserved yeah um yeah the the one thing that i i want to touch on and i've waited to have the right guest touch on it first before we jump into what you started out in uh centerville make sure everybody knows where the location is your character ricardo rodriguez and you were paired with del rio would you say that was a pretty comedy wrestling centric character yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I think it takes a, a really true fan to really appreciate the comedy wrestling and that side of things like santino dinsmore with eugene i'll probably get canceled just for bringing up eugene yeah um, yeah now probably <laughs> yeah. um heenan zeb Coulter. even even like the, the goldless and booker t stuff was fun oh my gosh that was I, i'm booker t is the first no second pro wrestler i ever met i met foley at dutch wonderland okay that, that little like two mile long amusement park 130 that's where right I right, right. Yeah. um and then booker t was at uh, field of screams right right by where uh, your school's at nice um so what i mean did you enjoy doing the comedy stuff like was there ever a yeah no, of, of course i mean it's honestly it took me a bit to to kind of fall into it 
uh, or to be okay with it rather. Uh, I during the time that I was wrestling prior to WWE, my whole thing was you know serious and you know like I'm a badass type of thing, right? Um, and then so when I got hired to the shtick, uh, the hardest battle, and it's still I think, and this is for everybody, the hardest battle that I think I've ever had, even now, still is my my ego. Um, my ego at the time was like, no, nah, man, I'm a wrestler. What am I? What, what is this? Stupid. Um, but then once I kind of came to terms and I understood what my role was and the reaction and and how to play it, it, it became so fun, and I started enjoying it. But that took a that took a bit. It took a bit because no, I wasn't wrestling anymore. Uh, I, everybody else was wrestling and I wasn't. And then I was playing a, a comedy guy, and I hated it at first. But like I said, it was my ego. Ultimately, it was my ego. And once I dropped the ego, and I was like, "Dude, have fun with it." Yeah, and everything just fell fell in place. It 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 looked so great. Every like every every part that you every time you were in the ring with Del Rio, every time you were on the mic, it was just I, I lived to watch it. It was fantastic. So I appreciate it. Yeah, you no, you did you did great. I totally get the ego thing. Anybody who will listen to this right now is going to be like, he's talking to somebody with a bigger ego than him. I guarantee it with me i promise you that um so fast forward you end up in lancaster you're recovering and you bring about one of actually i think right now it's the only school around i think um there was one for a little bit it's it's been so interesting to me the the pro wrestling scene in lancaster because we're we're so close to philly and even though ecw was more years ago than i care to admit um, there hasn't been too huge of an influx in pro wrestling in Lancaster. There's been a few promotions with LCW and a few other things, um, but really no legitimate schools in the area. So why did you start it? What was what the thought process behind starting three legacies? So uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of running academies throughout the U S uh, I opened up a school in India. I opened up the great Kali's Academy over there. Um, I have some of the students are, are, that I had there are now in WWE. Um, they're in the U.S., they're in Europe. Uh, they got to get out, you know. Um, I got to do training in, in I mean, in Germany, in what was it? Uh, Australia, uh, of Mexico, you know. And then, I, like I said, I just came back from opening up a school in Egypt. I, was, I lived in Cairo for close to a year. Um, and then, like I said, running academies throughout the U.S. I, I and I learned a lot from each and every single uh, experience. I did, but ultimately, it got down to I was like, man, I'm doing these things for for other folks. And again, I'm I'm beyond thankful for the opportunities, but I, I want to do something for me. I've never had one of my own. Um, it was always under somebody else's umbrella, never never under my flag. So I figured, hey, so I spoke to Chris Reisbach also, who's a big wrestling fan as well. And he used to be involved with LCW, which was like the main company that used to run here in Lancaster for years um, until unfortunately they folded, you know, some while ago. Um, so after discussions, he's like, well, why don't you just open your own? Why don't I? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? I mean, I'm, I, I like it here. And then I think also for the sake of my recovery, uh, being around here, uh, being around him, being around, you know, the city, which is actually, I really do enjoy it, um, is good for it. And 
and this kind of gives me a motivation. It gives me uh, a way to give back to pro wrestling because I mean, realistically, I'm 36 now, right? So physically, my body's not gonna be able to hold up for much, much longer. I'm not 20 anymore, you know? Uh, so I have to find a different avenue, um, be it training or commentary or some something else that's non-physical for the most part. Yeah. And and being here is great. We got to open up this academy, what, back in September. And right now we have about 10 students, which they're amazing. They're great and they're hungry. They're dedicated. So the process of starting the school here, did you get a lot of pushback from anybody? Did you get the, it's never going to work here. How was that process? So when I decided to open up a school here in Lancaster, uh, also keeping in mind that there wasn't anything of this sort, um, and nor there has, been, has there been one in a while. Um, there are training centers around the area. There are, um, but nothing of this. Um, it's more so in somebody's backyard or in a little, you know, hut somewhere or you know it's somewhere's backyard basically uh which is nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that at all because when i started i started the same way in somebody's backyard um so that's nothing that's not to take away from anybody that's teaching out here um but i have world, legit worldwide experience i have wwe experience i was also one of the quote-unquote unofficial trainers on the road um uh, for WWE for many years. Um, so I bring that experience to, to Lancaster. I bring a facility that has now two rings. Uh, we train six days a week, which there's, there's nothing out here that has anything similar to that. Um, they have availability to the, the gym whenever they want here. Um, and like I said, I mean, I, I bring 16 years of honestly legit international experience which there's nothing else out here that has that um so i i think that yes there's always gonna be pushbacks there's always gonna be pushbacks there's always gonna be people that are gonna tell you hey this is not gonna work uh but either a i'm stupid as hell or i'm stubborn and i or i'm confident that i'm gonna make this work probably all three very likely that's all three but i have done this before and damn it i'm gonna do it again so i will keep going and i'll keep pushing until this becomes something big, big and successful because I don't know how to quit. I don't know when to just leave it behind. That's, that's, that's a really good lesson I can extract for, for my audience, my followers, because, you know, one, you lived, eat and breathed pro wrestling. I mean, that was your life is your life. Mm -hmm. You have that passion. So, you know, being able to recognize that, you know, Hey, I can only perform physically for so long. Um, you know, but you didn't want to leave. So you, you know, you talked about starting the great college, helping the great college school stuff over in Egypt and stuff like that. Like, it seemed like a really, I mean, obvious transition for you. Now, mm -hmm. would you say it's different running your own school instead of it is, build one? Sure. No, it, it definitely is. I mean, I've, I've helped build other, other schools in the past and I'm building my own now. I think the only thing that I have not experienced in the past was more so the paperwork, the financial uh, the legalities of like, oh, I need to get a license. I need to get uh, the insurance. I need to do all that stuff. That's the part that's new to me. But I mean, thankfully, I have good people that are helping me out with that. Um, like I said, my business partner Chris Rosbach, he's he's helping me out and he's crucial to all of this, uh, to all this working um, and moving forward. 
uh, well, while I am over here on this side, on the trading side of things, and then also, you know, promoting the events and making sure that our shows come out without a hitch, I can work that part. On the back end of it, uh, I have Chris Reisbach who's helping me out. And like I said, he is a huge part of it. Uh, between him, uh, Bobby Gane, who's also another one that, that's, you know, within our circle who's crucial to all of this. So it's not just a one man thing. None of this could ever be a one person thing ever because it's a team effort. Uh, and then for me to say that this is all me is A, it's egotistical and it's BS because it's not. It's a, it's a mixture of everybody putting pulling their weight to make this something successful. That, that's another great lesson for the audience there. Like you have to surround yourself with the right people. And absolutely. there's It's so easy in the entrepreneur world um, and I mean, the pro wrestling world too, from, you know, what I understand and what I know, it's very easy to surround yourself with the bad people. It's, oh, yeah. And oh, it will happen. It will oh, happen. Yeah. It's, it's so, it, it's very hard to see until you know what to look out for, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have, you, until you learn people's intentions, you're able to read people. I mean, it can, it's, it's brutal. So I'm glad to hear that you found a really, really strong bunch of guys. I mean, the stuff that Chris does is outside of, of what he's doing now to working with you is, has been a, a gift to this county. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything that he has going on with like the rehab center and trying to do reforms uh, left and right is, is amazing. Um, but, but yeah, but I mean, and, and he'll tell you too, he's made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes doing stuff like this, but I mean, it's taking those because it's not something I just kind of like, Oh, I got this hundred percent from the beginning. No. I mean, this is all trial and error. We've I've fallen many times, and it's a you know picking myself back up. It's like, all right, I screwed up that one. I'm not going to do that again. Um, so now the next time that I come across a similar situation, I'm aware of it, being mindful and being aware and conscious of what's happening, um, and then learning how to react to certain aspects of whatever comes my way. Because I because in the past I was very quick to to judge anything that happened. And I was quick to, for the most part, just react. I was very quick to react on whatever that first instinct was. And I create, I made so many errors that way. There's oftentimes I would jump the gun instead of taking that pause and then kind of reassessing the situation. And I'm like, all right. Before I was like, well, this is not working. Ah, screw it. Throw it away. I was like, no, hold on. It's, wait, wait. Um, or, you know, biting back. I, I used to bite back at a, at a lot of things that wouldn't go my way. Um, versus pausing and realizing why didn't it go my way. Uh, understanding the whys of so many aspects has become so crucial to me, especially the last couple of years. And then why didn't this happen? Why didn't this work out versus, uh, and that was always for the longest. It was always, why not me? And I had to look within me, why wasn't it working? And ultimately it was because of me. I was my, my worst enemy. I was, and I go, it goes back to the ego. Because my ego was so big for so many years, for so long, that it was like, no, I've done this. I can, I deserve all the best in the world. Why am I not getting all the opportunities? And ultimately, it's because of me. I was holding me back because I was so full of myself. And I didn't reassess me. Uh, once I got myself in check, um, I am more aware that, uh, that there is something bigger than me. That I am not the almighty uh, because for me, like I said, my ego was, I am me. I am the almighty of everything and everything yeah. should flock to me. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. It's, oh man, this episode is going 
we're getting like everything you say, we're getting great advice, great lessons from that my audience can take away. What, what do you have in store for, for three legacies? What do you have? I mean, everybody has goals, right? Business, personal, right? Where mm-hmm. would you like to see three legacies after their first year? In five years, what, what are you thinking? Where do you want to go with this? So I have a lot of goals, I have a, but I have to set little checkpoints along the way. I can't, I have an idea of where I want to go towards the end, as an end result, but I can't focus on that yet because I have to put checkpoints and stepping stones along the way to help me get to the big goal. Um, so that if I, somewhere along the way, I do fall and then something doesn't go right, I can always just take a single step back instead of having to restart all over. Um, so like I said, right now we've been open for about three months. I have about 10 students. I want to have double that in the next two months, you know, at least. I want to, uh, what I, we have been running events monthly. Uh, so the next couple of the next several months, we have events running at Brightside Opportunity Center um, on 515 Hershey Avenue in Lancaster. And ultimately what we want to do is run yearly events at the Barnstormers Paper Magazine Stadium, which we just did in August. Um, we had an event there. We did, I think we did, you know, all right, fairly all right for the first time that we had been there. Uh, I want to build that because I want to have like a, a whole, call it like a, a, a weekend event of not just pro wrestling, but where like the entire community gets involved. And, and that's what I want. I want to build something so that where people come from the outside to Lancaster, to this town and for the wrestling event, and then other commu- other businesses around the area can feed off of that too. The thing that I see this is, is that there's plenty, there's plenty of room on the table for all of us to eat out of. So if we can build something here, massive and huge, then everybody else around, they don't have to be wrestling related. The, the, the surrounding communities or surrounding stores, if there's like a little like mom and pop shop that sells sodas or you know, like a little dinery that's near the, the, the stadium, they're going to get clientele because obviously when, we, when we're done, they're going to want food. Um, there's going to be a lot of awareness from all the little businesses around the area that are going to benefit the more we build this. So it's not something I just want to do like a, a one-off. I want to build this for the next five years. Oh, buddy, the, the entrepreneur in me is like, <laughs> just, just going nuts right now because, um, right. I threw my first event, uh, in October, the Slaymaker success summit. It's, mm-hmm. it was a whole big thing for the first event. It was bigger than I ever could have imagined. Um, but hearing that's how you want to do it is so great to hear, not just from an entrepreneur standpoint or business owner standpoint, but the county hasn't had something like that in, I, I mean, for as long as I can remember. Now, mm-hmm. I, I could be not remembering something, I could be forgetting something, but I mean, man, it's it's such a great idea. It's fantastic. And I, I know you guys had it the at the Barnstormers event, I wanted to go, but I was out of town at another speaking event. Um, I mean, you had RVD, you had Santino, you yeah. had, I mean. Fandango, Alberto, yeah. a lot of local talent, which I mean, obviously the local talent benefited from, from that event too. So, and this is, like I said, this is for me, what I want to build a whole community effort where that we can all build. That's what I want, a community effort. Because uh, like I said, this is not something that only I can do. It's going to be something that we all need to be a part of. Uh, but I will do my best to 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 build it as much as possible. Um, 
it's oh i'm excited i'm excited i mean it's again like with with the area you know you got down in maryland you got mcw and the monster factory you got my 15 pound corgi making a ton of noise um i can't wait to see what you do i i this is and we have the perfect venue for barnstormer stadium yeah. As long as the weather holds, and, out. and it's great that they're they're on board with this too. They they want to have something as well too. So to have their support is is massive, because a lot of a lot of the, the the advertisement came from them. I mean, we have to do the footwork, but I mean they they helped us out so much with the billboards um, uh, around town. So that was that was massive. So to have their their support is huge. Um, so the next event that we have is there is going to be in August. That's the next event. So we have between now and August to build this as much as possible so that we can hopefully fill out the entire stadium. It's the, the wheels are turning there because I, I, my, I'm planning my event for next year too. I'm going to the venue next week. Mm -hmm. I haven't picked dates yet, but I, I bet I could pull something in August. We'll talk about that offline. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that entrepreneur, oh man, I'm telling you. I, I love, love this idea. Um, ah. It's just such that also that also comes from, for instance, like I'm a big soccer fan. Like I, I grew, I played soccer for 12 years. So anytime, like for instance, like the World Cup, uh, or even like the Champions League, anytime that they go to that they're in, like it's such a big community financial gain uh, because there's a lot of tourism that happens because of it. Um, WrestleMania is another prime example. Any town that they're in for WrestleMania, that whole week benefit the the, the city benefits huge. On a financial standpoint, um, oh, yeah. and a well, lot of businesses just thrive from it. Well, I was um, before I before my wife gave birth to our our first kid, my son, um, just just like the wrestling gods shine down on me because originally I was going to go get tickets to meet Sting up in Allentown, and then he ended up canceling, so I couldn't go. And then for Father's Day, my wife got me tickets to uh to the Rumble in Philly. Mm. Um, well, she said. She said, you can get tickets to the, to the Royal Rumble, uh, but just don't go crazy. So uh, <laughs> I got sixth row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, my boss, who actually works very uh, works close with the Barnstormers, um, he, he's like, well, let's just make a weekend out of it. And I was like, yeah. all right, cool. So I knew there were going to be other events and stuff that we could do down there, but I didn't really figure out how much, right? So we ended up doing House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer's promotion Friday night, yeah. Friday night or Thursday. I don't know. Uh, icons of wrestling the next day, which I ended up getting to meet Sting there anyway. And like Jake, the snake and Sting and uh, I've got, I met so many that day. And then I got a call from my brother-in-law who reached out to his friend who knows Kevin Dunn up in mm. WWE. And he's like, Hey, I know you're in Philly. There's two tickets for you at will call for NXT. And I was like, Oh, cool. So at this point, we're already just drained, like exhausted. Yeah. And then we went to um, the Wells Fargo Center to Will Call, and our tickets were front row behind the announce table. Nice. EC3 came out to debut, War Machine, um, Ricochet. They brought him out right to the seats next to us. I was like, this is crazy. Then we had Shakara the next morning, um, which that was a cool experience. I, I didn't mm -hmm. know anything about Shakara, but Shakara is like that good, fun, Lucha Libre style. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also the referee down there, Bryce Remsburg, now he's in AEW. He's in Lancaster too. Yep. Um, yeah, and then we did the Oh, he's, he's awesome. He's fantastic. Yeah. So 
yeah, I, I think I, I just I love that idea of just doing like a whole big run of events, wrestling, non-wrestling, just I mean, there's there's so much that Lancaster has to offer that mm-hmm. I think would just be so good for what you're doing. That's oh see this podcast. That's my it's ultimate so goal. Yeah, that's my ultimate goal to build a whole community-based effort for for the city. Um and I mean, I know because it's it's pro wrestling, it's always going to have some sort of a you know pushback. Um, but the one thing that I'm very happy for, for instance, for us or our events is that they're very family friendly. Um, so it's, the kids can come by, the kids can come and enjoy it. Uh, the parents can bring their kids or anybody from all ages can come in and enjoy wrestling. Uh, and then for those two hours, just escape reality escape you know outside and then just come and enjoy a good family time um of pro wrestling i mean and then we we plan we have so many things in mind that we have and then until they actually happen obviously i don't want to say anything because who knows right i i, I can start telling you hey we're gonna do this and then nothing happens <laughs> um but uh we have a lot of things in, in that are in store and the more we build the more these can become reality so that's ultimately what we want to become Oh, I love it. Well, I think that's probably a good, a good uh, jumping off point. I want to make sure everybody gets the chance to hear where you can find Ricardo, Jesus, whatever, you know, um, three legacies wrestling. We know you're right off of Centerville, please. Where can you be found? So we train, if you're actually an aspiring wrestler, uh, we train six days a week or well, we have availability for training uh, six days a week. We uh, are on 134 South Centerville road. Here in Lancaster, MPA, 17603. We are on uh, South Center Road and Columbia. Uh, there is a diner in the corner. You can always find us there. Uh, if not, you can also hit us up on Facebook at, you have to spell it out, Three Legacies Wrestling. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, on TikTok. Uh, we are working on the website, which should be up hopefully soon, but all that information will be available through our Facebook we have an event come January 14th at the Brightside Opportunity Center on Hershey Avenue. Um, tickets are available, or are available, excuse me, they are available at Eventbrite. Uh, just type in Three Legacies Wrestling Awakening. And uh, we'll have uh, WWE alumni Paul London. Uh, he's our main, our main guy that day, as well as yours truly. And um, a lot of local talents, which will be an amazing time. Like I said, family-friendly. There will be a meet and greet with Paul London. Um, but like I said, for the most part, just follow us on Facebook at Three Legacies Wrestling. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for doing this episode. I appreciate it. To all our fans out there, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us this week on Slaying the Sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com, and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.